Hey, Booksmitten fans and uh, listeners and followers of the podcast. Uh, Thank you for joining us on this very special episode. Uh, This season, we've been focusing on our attempts to write uh, picture books and learning everything we can about writing picture books. Today, we are not talking about that. We are celebrating the release of Jack Chang's wonderful new middle grade novel, The Many Masks of Andy Cho. Yay! <laughs> this book is just terrific. And uh, so we were, we're going to have tons of questions for Jack about, about the book. Um, but I'd kind of like to start off with a little check-in and just ask Jack, Jack, how's it feeling <laughs> After all, after all the years of work that, that, you know, goes into a novel and it finally comes out, there's a lot of uh, complex feelings that people go through in that period of time. Like, how are you doing? How are you feeling? What's it been like? Yeah, it's, uh, it's a mixture of relief and mm-hmm. uh, excitement and anxiety, I would say. <laughs> <laughs> relief because I have been working on this for so long. I've been working on this book for, I think, six years. Mm-hmm. Um, and... You know, uh, my last book took like, I think, three and a half. And so three and a half plus pandemic-ish. Um, sure. Uh, and and so it's a relief to be done with this one. And I I can could feel like my mental space, like opening up to even think about and start new ideas. Mm-hmm. Um, it is exciting. Uh, we had, you know, a book launch uh, party here in Detroit. At Which I, I got to go to. Yeah, it's so fun. Yeah. Um, <laughs> we had a whole uh, line dance team uh, to perform at that event, um, and uh, it was a, a, a team that I had actually uh, visited with as part of research for for this book. So it was really cool that they were able to make it. Um, so yeah, ex- excited for you know for people to read it and to to hear about you know what people's thoughts are. Um, and also a little anxious because it is a book and it, a book takes hours to read. And it's also um, with the timing of everything, it's the end of the school year is when this book came out. So, you know, a lot of teachers, librarians, they're like, just like ready to be done with the year. So um, it's been a little bit slower um, because it's summer, everyone's on vacation. At the same time, um, I'm starting to, you know, it's starting to pick up a little more momentum. And so... Uh, yeah, so I'm I'm hearing the things I am hearing from people who who have read the book have been really really positive, and um, I think for some people this book just connects on this like deeply personal level, um, you know, in in a much dif- different way than my previous book, Then See You in the Cosmos. Mm. Yeah, do you want to just start off by uh, telling us about Andy? Yeah, or... so. Uh, the Many Masks of Andy Zhou um, is uh, a lot of it's inspired by my own uh, Chinese American upbringing here in Metro Detroit. Uh, Andy is a kid who I would describe, he's like, sees himself as sort of the sidekick in someone else's story. Um, he's like quiet, um, a little bit introverted, although he can be very loud and uh, gregarious with his own friends. Um, his grandparents are visiting him from China uh, and staying with his family for six months. And his grandfather is very frail and has trouble moving around. Um, at the same time, he's going into middle school 
and his best friend Cindy convinces him to bleach their hair together, which goes well for Cindy, but not so well for Andy. Um, and like as a result of that, he starts getting picked on by his uh, science, his new science club, uh, science class lab partner Jamil. But as the story goes on, they discover that they have more in common than they initially thought, and start bonding over their shared love of anime and haichus and that sort of sends andy's relationship with cindy in into flux um so there's a lot going on in this kid's life um and i think it's about uh one of the things that this book is about is uh the power of art to actually help Mm. andy ground himself and make sense of his life and to to make space for andy to kind of hold all these different identities that he has of being you know, a son, a grandson, a friend, a, a Chinese American kid, like all of those things, um, letting him have space to kind of sit with all of those things and not, you know, not necessarily feel like he, he um, needs to have a clear answer about do I belong or not, or where do I belong? Mm-hmm. Yeah. One of the, um, the themes that I love about this is figuring out who you are versus who your friends are, because at the end of the book, he's trying to um, put this into words with his his old friend, Cindy, who's been with him since the beginning. Um, and as she moves in different directions, is that who he is? And I think that's such a, a, a middle school question and that kids will really relate to is, I follow this person in this direction. Is that me? Or do I, am I really somebody else? And who am I And as they diverge? So there's lovely complexity in the friendship relationships, Jack. Yeah, messy. It's messy. <laughs> yes. It's so real in, the, in its messiness. I, I love that you didn't shy away from like having there not be perfect answers in those, in those things, except for the fact that, that you, you need to work on being who you are in order to, in order to be a good friend. Mm-hmm. And, and I love the kind of moral complexity of all the lies and the, yeah. um, there's so many levels of lying that goes on between friends and parents and, uh, and, and it's all, and you're rooting for them because you understand that they're trying to do it to save people and to help um, strengthen those relationships. And yet, of course, when you're going into sixth grade, that those lies always tangle you up at some point. Yep. That's a lot to juggle, but that's yeah. true to life. And I think that's that was a, a drawing factor and will be a drawing factor to your readers, um, as well as the nostalgia of this book. For me, uh, was amazing from page one with the picture of the the tire. Like immediately yeah. I was like, oh man, I, I am home being born in Detroit. was sad when we had to move to the west side of the state and then visits back. That tire was always the symbol. We're almost there. We're almost yeah. there. So just seeing that on page one, I was instantly hooked. And I told Heather when we had our discussion, um, you had me at Fago Red Pop. So when <laughs> yeah. you mentioned that, I was like, oh my goodness, all these things like throughout the whole book. Um were grounding for me and just put a smile on my face. So wanted to let you know that I enjoyed that throughout the whole thing. Yeah. Yeah. It was I, like Detroit was a character. Totally. Yes. It wasn't yes. really a setting. It was, it was as alive as a character. I felt, yes. yeah. Even for someone who hadn't, um, was only visited Detroit. It, I just felt that it was one of the main players in the book. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Mm-hmm. I, 
just because you brought up the the little drawing of the tire, Jack, could you tell us the story? Uh, there's a Jack story and uh, the many masks of Andy Cho story of those little drawings that are uh, like headings for each chapter. Yeah. So the, uh, the Jack story uh, is that I had the idea to put in, to do some of my own illustrations uh, right around the time I was like nearing the finishing the, the manuscript. I was like, wouldn't it be cool if, you know, if, I like embraced my own artistic side the way that Andy did uh, does in the book and, and do some of my own drawings. And I like, I sent some sketches to my editor and she sent it along to the, the books designer and um, everyone really loved the idea. And so uh, even after I was done with the manuscript itself, I was like, Oh, I've got to do like, (laughs) it ended up being like 42, 43 (laughs) illustrations. Um, which was it was a lot of fun. Um, it was it was also a lot a lot of work, but I'm I'm really glad to um, have that be a part of the story. And then its connection to the book itself is, uh, or to Andy, is that uh, I mentioned that Andy's discovering himself as an artist in the book. So one of the one of the consequences of him and Cindy bleaching their hair is uh, Cindy gets asked to audition or join the school's dance performance club. And of course she drags Andy into it too. And Andy's like, not a a dancer. He's not someone who's like, you know, who, who wants to perform on stage. So he ends up falling in with the crew kids. And so he has um, a sketchbook that he keeps in the story. And so I thought that was like another, you know, cool connection. I was like, if there's any book that I'm going to be doing little (laughs) illustrations for it's, it's this one. So, Jack, I have a memory of um, you and I met at a diner and you were telling me about this book ages ago when it was all I remember is that it had a grandmother, I think, and a a little girl, I think, as the main character. Is this the same book? And has it really it seemed to always have a grandparent element. But how has this book idea changed over the six years you worked on it? Yeah. So originally when this started out, it was, it was a girl main character and it was like near future Detroit. And there were like self-driving cars and all that. Um, (laughs) uh, uh, And like, and, and the, the sort of like, there was a central relationship between the main character um, and another person of color who wasn't Chinese. Um, And that, that was like, I think those are the only things that, that, original start have in common with with this um and and so yeah uh, over the course of working on drafts um and just like really reflecting on my own upbringing in metro detroit um the sort of grandparents got in there and uh the you know the the girl main character became a boy main character and so yeah it's a it's a very different book (laughs) Um, but you know, that, that's, that's kind of what happens. Um, and even like, even now, as I'm like exploring ideas for like new novels, um, or my next project, you know, it's like, I have different, very different ideas that are like very different from each other. And, you know, one day I might be like, let me, let me put some words to this and see if I, if it has any momentum and see if like, you know, there's sort of enough energy behind this, this, like these first scenes that I'm writing for me to keep going. And if not, then 
I can take a step back and work on something else. And so um, there's, yeah, there's really more of a sense of like play right now. Um, whereas like, I think coming into initially drafting this book, um, I don't, I, I felt like there was an idea I was chasing and I like chased it past the point that it was like, you know, still fruitful and then had to like step way back and start all over rather than mm-hmm. just like um, taking a more like scattershot approach the way I am right now. Uh, what One of the working titles uh, for this book was Andy in between, um, just because he was like, uh, so uh, in between all these different identities. And um, there, there are a lot of scenes in the book that happen in like interstitial places, like on staircases, on bridges, and um, and so that that was kind of an echo of of that title. But um, but yeah, but uh, my when I took that to my editor, um, the general consensus was like we needed something a little more like captivating, a little more grabbing. Mm-hmm. Um, which yeah, which I I I, I loved the um, my editor end up Jess ended up coming up with uh, this final title, oh, and I, I really loved mm-hmm. it. I thought it was it was a really great title. Cool. So our our listeners obviously cannot see us holding up the book, but they can definitely go to a local bookstore or find somewhere to order it and hold it in their own hands to see it. But can we talk about the cover for just one second and the, the absolute beauty of this cover? And I'm just curious to know what your first reactions were when mm. you got the art back or sketches um, rough draft of the cover was it always kind of in this vein or did it change dramatically what what was that process and how were you along that the, that journey yeah yeah when when i saw saw first draft of it so the the artist who did the cover is this uh, really talented uh, illustrator named yuta onoda who um if you've seen like uh, kelly barnhill's covers like the girl who drank the moon Mm-hmm. Um, oh, wow. it's, it's the same same uh, artist wow. and so uh, Yuta did a, a spectacular job with it and and it, it's also like it's like the the style of the art is very much sort of close to like anime manga which yeah. has a connection to the content of the story itself so yeah um, yeah I thought it was a, a really a really strong cover um, it was like literally like Andy in between these two different worlds uh, and uh, and there, there were like a few little details in that first draft that I was like, originally there were like skyscrapers kind of in, in the background, like the city of Detroit skyline. And I'm like, they're in the suburbs. You can't really, <laughs> you can't see the buildings up that close. Um, so I like sent out a, a couple of references that actually that freeway is a very specific freeway that I would uh, cross with my mom when we lived in that um, uh in the sort of suburb that uh, Andy's suburb is, fictitious suburb is based on. Um, That's like in second and I think third grade, my mom and I would walk across that overpass uh, on the way to school. Um, And yeah, and uh, uh, one thing that did come back also was the um, like, so there's uh, for, for our readers or listeners who can't see it, it's like Andy standing on an overpass to behind them to the left, there are these like sort of small, you know, single uh, family like craftsman houses. And then on the other side, um, there are uh, there's like a tall brown apartment building. And you, you'll find out you find out who lives in that building as you read the story. Um, 
And uh, there's this swirl of imagery over Andy's head that has like, you know, uh, like barbecue grills and lion dancing costumes (laughs) and all that stuff. Yeah. When I, when I first saw the cover, um, I was like, Oh, that is my ADHD. Like, you know, right on the page, (laughs) this like (laughs) kind of like distractedness and this feeling that there's all sorts of like um, all sorts of ideas and thoughts swirling. Um, And so, yeah, it was great. And this process for the, for the jacket, it wasn't one where, you know, I saw a bunch of drafts It was more like, like almost similar to seeing in the cosmos where we got that first draft back and that felt right. Mm, um, and so, so then the, it became more about like refining it. Like, you know, what's the color of Andy's t-shirt? Where is he looking? What's sort of, you know, his pose, mm. um, things like that. Yeah. It's lovely. I agree with Kelly. Cause it, it sums up the book of bridging worlds. Mm-hmm. It has the Detroit area setting and it has a huge, um, excitement for his, his, family heritage and and eccentricities you know it's just all there everything's um right on the cover and i think it really makes the book intriguing for people as well as sums up what's inside so jack this is such a personal story for you and it's it's quite different than your first book can you tell us a little bit about why you decided to do um I mean, it's not completely autobiographical, but there's a lot of deeply personal elements in it. Why did you decide to go in this direction? Yeah. When I first started working on this book, there was like the the kind of like overall theme and the overall thing I was trying to accomplish was explore like um, whether or not I, as an Asian American person, um, had something to contribute to the conversation in a city that is mostly black and white. You know, a lot of times uh, moving back to Detroit in 2013, 2014, a lot of times I found myself in either a majority black space or a majority white space where I was the only Asian person there. Um, so it started with me like thinking like, what, you know, is there something I can lend to this conversation? Maybe it's something to do with like intergroup dialogue. But then the more I dug into that idea and the more that I like drove around, you know, these same streets that I, I frequented as a kid, the more I realized that I hadn't yet sort of really processed that the Chinese American, my Chinese American experience growing up. Um, and that was something that was like not something that I consciously thought about until like, you know, I was in my um, in my 30s. And so so that's I think that turned the focus of the book more to, you know, family story, more to Andy, like, you know, um, kind of like struggling with these aspects of his own identity. Um, and so, th- yeah, that that would be kind of the genesis of this book. And there's uh, there's an uh, author's note in the back um, where I kind of like talk about my connection to some of the, like the personal experiences or some of the things that happen in the book to Andy. For, for instance, um, at one point in the book, uh, Andy starts, um, he starts like pulling his hair out of anxiety. Um, It's like, you know, something that's known as like a body focused repetitive behavior. And that was something that I did in high school, you know, not quite at Andy's age, but that was like something that I did to the point where there was like a little bald spot 
on the back of my head um, as a result of like just like pulling hairs. And so, yeah, I talk a little bit about some of my personal connection to those things. Um, I will say that like, you know, like, like we've mentioned, like, you know, that we've mentioned sort of racism and, and, um, and kind of like, you know, Chinese American identity, or maybe we haven't like talked about racism yet, but, but that's like, that's very much a racism and microaggressions are very much a part of this book as well. Um, at the same time, there is a lot of like fun and joy and, you know, fart jokes and things like that too. And so, um, so yeah, so I, I think like, I wanted it, like, I didn't want this to be a, a heavy book, you know, because, like, I I find that I, like, the I, I can't read a heavy book, especially now, <laughs> you know, that, that that's, like, one of the, the reasons that I, I love reading and writing middle grade is that, like, mm-hmm. yeah, it's, like, you, you have it balanced with humor and joy and all those things, um, and you can, you can talk about tough subjects even when it's a book that is just like a lot of fun yeah one really fun element for me um was just the the family there's so many uh books where parents aren't around and definitely grandparents aren't around especially in ya where i'm coming from it's like um and your the parents and grandparents were very present in this book and they just provided so much joy and so much detail that, that you added. Um, it was just terrific. Can you tell us about like mining your own family kind of for, for these characters? Yeah. Yeah. I mean, everyone there, everyone in, uh, in the, in Andy's family is basically a caricature of like <laughs> the same person in my own family. You um, feel that when you read it, like these people yeah. are real. Yeah. And, uh, and so one thing that I've noticed is that, you know, there's sort of this like Asian dad stereotype of like the Asian dad being like very stoic and like, you know, not being a big part of the the story. Mm-hmm. Um, and that was like, not my experience growing up. My dad's like very animated and very like, you know, fun loving. And, um, and there, there are sometimes like these like comical misunderstandings of yeah. American culture that like I pick up on, but like that, you know, maybe my parents don't. And, um, and so, yeah, so I, I think like it's taken to it, it at the same time, it's like, it's, it's there for also like a purpose in that, like in the story, it's showing sort of the way that Andy's father, like his love for his own father um really i i i hope uh really comes out through like some of you know the the things that andy's dad is trying to do um he's he's basically like you know trying to expose his parents to all these aspects of these like stereotypical aspects of like american culture like you know having a backyard barbecue or like going (laughs) fishing um you know renting a cabin in the woods and um and so yeah so there's there's some comedy there for sure. I would say one of my favorite dynamics was between Andy and Jamil. I think there was so much there that we can gain or glean in terms of they're seeing each other as one way to begin with. But over time, as you as you mentioned, discovering they had more in common, more similarities than the differences. And I love that type of thing. Yeah. So my question for you is obviously, was there a, a Jamil in your life or who inspired that? 
or just in general, something that you saw? Because I, I think for kids, that's an important part of existence. You're around people all day that you're going to have a perception about. You're going to have this kind of, it doesn't have to be negative, but you just think what you think until you learn something different. And so yeah. I'm just wondering, did you have a Jamil in your life? I, I feel like Jamil was a, like, probably the character that was most a mishmash of, like, so many different people. Um, so something that uh, people who aren't from Metro Detroit don't really know about our area is that we have a large Chaldean population. And Chaldeans are uh, Iraqi Christians um, who have emigrated from from Iraq. And there's actually the largest Chaldean population in the world is here in Metro Detroit, even like, you know, beating out um, the Chaldean population uh, remaining in Iraq. Wow. Um, and so, uh, so there was like that piece of it that, you know, it's like growing up, there were tons of Chaldean kids and like all my, you know, classes and, and schools. And so I wanted to make sure that there is a kind of like local representation. Um, and even along those lines, like, you know, initially when I was drafting this book, I was like giving all the white kid characters, just like generic Anglo-Saxon names. And I realized that that wasn't the case for me and for this area, because there are a lot of Polish immigrants and Italian mm. immigrants, you know, Hungarian. And so, so like that was even like, you know, it, it's something that gives you a hint of like the specificity of, um, where the story is taking place is like, you know, the the kind of like mix of of characters that's in it. Um, and the other thing about Jamil is I wanted to have someone who um, understood Andy's experience, but at the same time, like wasn't Chinese American mm-hmm. and sort of had a different look on on that. Um, and I think that's another one of the re- big reasons that Andy and Jamil connect is that they're sort of on these, like on two sides of this like myth of the mi- model minority coin in terms of like, you know, like in the beginning, Andy's, because he's quiet and he's shy, he's like presumed to be a good kid. And he's quiet, shy, and like Chinese, he's presumed to be a good kid. Whereas like, because Jamil is like louder and he sort of like his like like textbook lands on his desk the wrong way the first day of class Mm -hmm. his like science teacher labels him as a bad kid Mm -hmm. um and so it's sort of about kind of about the ways that both of those labels end up being these like traps because Andy feels like he's constantly like disappointing people and not living up to their expectations of him and like you know Jamil feels like people aren't giving him the fair shake um and so I think because of that, they both realize that um, they both realize that they're sort of like stuck in this like system. And, mm-hmm. you know, I think like what they find is like that they, they have this like space in each other mm-hmm. um, to kind of like exist. Yeah. So, Jack, I'm curious, despite this being a, a pretty personal book and and you having grown up in Metro Detroit and living there now, there's so much in fiction that also compels us to do research to get things right or uh, to get a character more authentic. Did you do any um, specific research for this book? And if so, do you have any stories about what that type of research was like? Yeah. um, 
a lot of research I did was around Jamil's character um, because, you know, I'm not of that group. And so there's a Chaldean cultural center um, here in Metro Detroit. And I went and uh, visited them and, um, you know, asked a couple of folks there to, to read like parts or uh, in one case, like the entire manuscript. Um, and also, you know, I had uh, like growing up, one of my closest friends was uh, also Iraqi Christian, but he was Assyrian, not uh, Chaldean. Um, but I, I sent, you know, sent him uh, stuff to read too. Uh, the other bit of research was like lion dancing. Um, and so these are like smaller, these are like smaller things in terms of like, I, I did what I could in terms of watching YouTube videos and like trying to, you know, get a online research. Um, but then at some point I was like, I just have to like see it in person. So that, that was true with the, the lion dance team that I mentioned. Um, another thing that it was true for was bleaching my hair. So our <laughs> listeners can't tell that my hair is blonde right now. Uh, and this is the, actually the second time I've bleached it. The first time was um, if you don't count the time right before freshman year of college that I just bought like an off the shelf store, you know, blonde haired dye kit and try to do it myself. Um, uh, <laughs> the, the last time uh, was uh, last year, as I was nearing the end of um, like finishing up this manuscript, I was like, I'm pretty sure I have it right. But like, let me talk to my bar barber just in case. And my barber does like cosplay and stuff like that. So, mm -hmm. so his hair is like a different color every time I see him. Um, so, so, um, I, I asked him to, uh, to like, you know, ble bleach my hair. Um, and, and I think like there was like one little fact, one little thing that I changed, uh, one little detail that I changed in that, like when you're doing the bleach, the, um, the thing that's like the hardest to get is like the ends of your hair, not the roots. Mm. Um, and so I had it flipped in the original manuscript. I was like, oh. I was like, oh, you know, the. The roots, the roots are hard to do, but no, it's actually the other way around. So, so I'm that glad you got research. that right. I totally yeah. would have nailed you on that, Jack. <laughs> <laughs> that is um, dedication. Patrick's hair is pink right now. <laughs> so you know, the Barbie movie's out and everything, so I had, yes. to, I had to get Go in peak. on it. Yeah. <laughs> I was just going to say, I don't know if, I, if there's a question in here, Um but your, your research and your connection to Chaldean folks, like, uh, it really comes out in this beautiful and loving way when we leave the world of school and we leave the world of Andy's home. And it just so opens the book up when we go to the party at Jamil's house. Mm. And we see this whole other group with a whole other set of food and just as welcoming as Andy's family and a brother who's a vet, who's uh, um, enlisted and is overseas. Um, and it's just like, I don't know, somehow the book just like opens up and the world mm -hmm. just broadens and uh, kind of exponentially, even though it's just one more community. It's like, oh, mm -hmm. if there's two of these rich, beautiful communities, then there's one for every character. Uh, that's from a different group in, in the book. And it was just beautiful. And uh, I just love that. I, I'd like to say that I planned that, but I totally didn't <laughs> plan that. And I think that that was just a result of me trying to like, you know, like embody Jamil's character and like yeah, yeah. really like explore and see, see where that story goes and what, what, you know, who shows up. Um, and, 
Yeah, it it was like that was one of the things that I was most worried about with this book because sure. you know Jamil starts out as a bully, um, and and that's like you know yeah we I actually found when I like um, sent a draft of it to like to different folks or, or like the the first you know few chapters. Um, that there were like, there's a moment in the first few chapters when Andy and Jamil are at this like Asian grocery store and Jamil ends up like defending Andy against a like racial stereotype that his mom makes. Like, you know, um, and and so there's a moment when, when like Andy in the story is like, wait, did he just defend me? Mm-hmm. And I found that there were some readers that they like, didn't even catch that Jamil was defending Andy. That it was like it was like why they were like why would Jamil say this? He's he's like the bully, and so uh-huh. there was like this yeah that that was really interesting. Um, but I get I guess like like through through my experience of like you know writing his character and researching and and kind of like trying to tell the story. One of the things that I've realized is that you know when we include um, characters from groups that aren't our own on the on the page it's it's like one an injustice to paint them as like one dimensional or one sided right because then you get into tokenism you yeah. sort of reinforce that aspect even if they're like doing good things you reinforce that aspect of the minor, model minority of like oh when a character of color appears that means that like you know they're a good character right <laughs> um and then so the i think the other thing is that like you know to kind of like see see these characters as full human beings and part of that is like having communities around them where you know you see that they do not represent their entire community Mm -hmm. um i think that was like a really important lesson that i learned from like this process of exploring jamil's character and learning about um him and learning about chaldean culture um so yeah so i i think like it's just like for me, it just boils down to trying to make every character, no matter like, you know, how small of an appearance they have in, in the book as like vivid and, and like three dimensional and, and unique as, as I can yeah. or, or, or specific maybe as I can. So speaking of the title, many masks, um, you have a literal mask in this book and it's, and the kids are all putting together a, a, a dance production based on Lord of the Flies, which I was, can you explain your pick of that particular book? Because your book has, despite getting into some, you know, messy emotional feelings and some um, deeper topics, it has a lighthearted feel still. And Lord of the Flies is one of those books that's pretty dark and deep. So I was just curious about your choice there and why you picked that story. Yeah. I So that was actually a remnant from like an early draft when I was just like figuring out the story. And like it stayed in the draft. And it was one of those things that I was like, I don't know why this here, but why this is here. But like it feels right and it feels wacky and I like it. And And so as I was getting like, you know, working on the draft um or working on later drafts like i was like mining that story for like connections to the things that andy was was going through and and there's like one particular connection that happens at the end um uh that that yeah that it's like 
it couldn't. I mean, it could have happened if it was a different dance ad- adaptation that we we're staging, but it wouldn't have happened in the same way. And the book might not be called The Many Masks because there's a very direct tie. Um, so yeah, so th- it's one of those things where I feel like a lot of times when I'm writing like early drafts, I'll stumble upon like you know an idea or uh, a, a symbol even that it has this like mysteriousness to it that that feels right for the story but i i don't know why Mm -hmm. and so you know those are the kinds of things that i then like you know i'm like okay i'll just leave this in and i'll like my brain will be working on it in the background and if i come up with a way to actually make it work then i'll keep it in if not i can like cut it so jack is there something else that you wanted to particularly share with readers, we are so excited to be able to celebrate you and your 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 new book today. I'm just excited that y'all have read the book, yeah, <laughs> and, and are, are sharing with me, um, you know, your thoughts on it. Uh, that's you know that it's really great as an author. I don't know if y'all y'all find this, but like, yeah, to get that early feedback right when your book comes out to at least like feel like okay, people are actually reading this book. Um, yes. And so for our listeners, if, you know, I, I'd love to hear your thoughts on the book or what, what parts of it, like you connected with, um, that's always like, yeah, really special, you know, even beyond like the, the early stages of a book coming out. Um, so it makes the book real, doesn't it? When somebody that, you know, actually reads your book as a real book, um, it, it transforms it from this thing you've been working on to what it's supposed to be as something in someone else's heart. Yeah, yeah. I, and I, I like I went through, you know, the same process with my last book with seeing the cosmos It's like the book comes out, and I'm like holding my breath. But then, you know, it's sort of those like those like early feedback and early connections that make me feel like, okay, you know, it's like, yeah, it's like, I'm, I'm, I'm at least being heard by some people, I guess. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, that's, that's wonderful. Well, we're so glad you decided to explore that that germ of the idea of did you as an Asian American um, author have a voice to contribute into this Metro Detroit story? And this is a lovely addition. Um, and also I must say one of my favorite pages is the acknowledgement pages where you mention your book smitten podcast crew <laughs> yeah. um, because we do, we do um, grow these stories together as writers. I think no matter um who you are, if you're a writer, there's people that you connect with as you're writing and that that's part of the journey. So we're glad to have been there with you um, in your as you wrote this and created this book. I'm, I'm so thankful for, for this podcast. And um, Kelly mentioned this in a previous chat and, and that like I, I too like have never had like an actual writing group. Yeah. Um, and so yeah. this is like the closest thing that's that I've had to it. And it's been really enriching and and yeah i'm just happy to see y'all's faces <laughs> yeah i echo that for sure awesome. and the answer is yes jack you did have something amazing to contribute yeah. um, to the conversation and we have been very blessed to be a part of it and to have a chance to read it so yeah thank you yeah, yeah. thank you yay jack
So thank you all for listening to this special episode of Book Smitten, where we celebrated the release of Jack Chang's new book, The Many Masks of Andy Joe. Um, thanks so much for listening. You can find Jack's book wherever books are sold. Um, and also check out his first book, See You in the Cosmos. We can't wait to see what Jack Chang is going to come up with next. Meanwhile, this episode has been produced with the amazing help of our intern, Jean-Luc Ishimwe. Thank you, Jean-Luc. The music is by Duck Duck Chicken, and we will get back on track with writing our picture books in our picture book challenge. So go ahead and share with your friends who are interested in writing. The um, hashtag is BooksmittenChallenge, and we are on Twitter at BooksmittenPod. Send us your questions and check out a copy of The Many Masks of Andy Joe. Congratulations, Jack, and see you all on the bookshelf. Bye. 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 <laughs>